0: Bowie versus Dillion Is this year when I'm glowy? Am I killing? I hope it's not a blowy or a villain oh, It's time for Bowie versus Dillian Hello, and welcome to Bowie vs. Dylan. I'm Charlie, and I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. And for this very special 50th anniversary, Chaz, Woo-hoo! Wow, we got enough gray so hair between the, middle, the two of can't us. not like, see the other side of the hill anymore, Jake. Yeah, boy. There. It's, it's really hear. really downhill from here. It's like yeah, we're rolling, we are rolling hurtling towards whatever yeah. happens when you turn fifty. Like uh, a rolling stone. Like a really old guy. Yeah. That was the original <laughs> title. Like a like a <laughs> oh. super old guy who's over there. He's such a poet. <laughs> such a poet, is uh, And I didn't even know it. <laughs> Anywho, uh, we, during these uncertain times that you know what we're talking about, I guess we don't have to name it, but we're all at home, just hanging out. Charlie's letting his beard grow. Mine's growing mm. even longer, mm-hmm. and uh, we thought we'd bring you, dear listeners, some comfort. The comfort food of Bowie versus Dylan, which will never die. Never, never die. It'll never die. It's always and there. special comfort food because it's a top 10 list, which everybody loves a top 10 yeah, list. Yeah, except our last top 10 list. They didn't love that one so much. But the ones before that, that was, yeah. but the rest of them are some yeah. of the most popular Tasty. Those tasty. And so, so this, this one is the best cover songs that other musicians did of our gentlemen. Right, because we already did the covers that they did of other That's people. right. And that was thrilling. <laughs> I was thrilled. It was yeah. thrilling. I was thrilled. I was, I'm was still thrilling. a little bit thrilled. <laughs> I have, like, a little bit of thrill left over from Some residual guy. thrill, thrillness, thrill. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so I think this is a really interesting thing for us, Jake, because uh, when it comes to other people doing covers, our guys are, like, polar opposites. They sure are. There are so many amazing, iconic... Uh, we just figured both of us would be really hard, because there's so many amazing, iconic covers of Dylan. Yeah. And so you <laughs> of Bowie. And I was thinking about this and giving this some thought as to what the reasons are. And, I mean, Dylan, of course, is, like, the quintessential... Songwriter, you know, he's the great American singer songwriter. That's right, like that's that's just him. And Bowie is do do? acclaimed for this whole package, this whole theatrical. like you know, it isn't just an album, it's an album with different themes of different, you know, and sometimes they're semi, uh, he didn't do a full rock opera, but there's also like a new look for his like, new character and the tour, like in this, and there was this video, video, it was all like this giant package that surrounded the album, so yeah. they were rarely on their own, of course. And so that makes me think that, that I wonder, like, he in that nature, it wasn't about, it was, was, he put together this whole package that I think feels more definitive and feels less like this thing that someone else could take as a springboard and make their own. Yeah. And Dylan has this very universal, like, like people can pick this up and make it their own. And Bowie was very individualistic. So it's just an interesting uh, uh, thing about the two guys. Yeah. I gave this thought. Yeah. And I I hear you there. And, for for whatever reason culturally or the time that Dylan came up like that's how he became famous was other yeah. people covered his songs like people knew Peter Paul and Mary's version of Blowin' in the Wind because it hit like number 1 well yeah. before they knew who Dylan was and then he became a star as you know off of that springboard mm-hmm. and it seems to me that Bowie seems to have more of like a like you're saying like a package deal like people want to mm-hmm. people want to copy or pay tribute to like his style which I think probably happened more, and they've him stylistically in and fashion wise, and totally moves and but not actually covering his songs or at least not in big, meaningful ways. Not as much anyway. Yeah. So there you go. Think about all that as hey. we go forward here. All right, Chaz, I'm gonna. We both got a list here, but we do. So. I, take, I don't know how. Oh, go ahead. I'm interrupting you. No, I was going to throw it over to you, but you're already talking. So that's, I took it. I just grabbed <laughs> it's, it. it. It's, it's happening. I don't care. Don't throw it. I just, I'm right here. I'm going to take it. <laughs> it won't I'm hurt. throw it to me. I'm just going to take it. Take it, man. Hey, uh, so I was thinking a lot about how I made these, you know, because I first started just making a list and going, oh, that one's cool. Oh, that one's really important. Oh, I like that one. And making top 10 lists, you know, it's not just like, hey, yeah. Like, how do you decide the best song? Like, nah, And so I found some things, you know, part of it is just the quality of the cover. Like, the songs themselves are really good. But also, like, I, I found I was gravitating towards ones that had a good story, that were important, that were just notable. And also ones that uh, I felt like had a good reason to exist. You know, like, some of them, which was the one in particular. Oh, Tears for Fears, Jake. Yeah, great. did a cover of Ashes to Ashes. And uh, if it weren't for the vocals, I'm... It sounds like a karaoke version. Mm. Like it's just I, I'm like, I, I can't the backing vocals the backing sound sounds so identical. You just kinda wonder of like what was the point of this cover? Yeah. yeah, I mean, yeah why yeah. did this happen? Yeah. There's no reason why this existed. If I wanted to listen to this exact song, I would just listen to this exact song uh, by Bowie because it already exists. Right. So I was drawn to ones in particular that like that had very different arrangements that were very different and exciting. So I'm um, gonna throw out there really quick. I would think uh, I don't know. Did you pick up any songs that you feel like were covered a lot, Jake? Of my guy, I two in particular. Yeah. Oh yeah. There's there there's a couple of them. Uh, okay. I mean, I'll just I'll just say it. Like "Blowing in the Wind," obviously. Is, yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, that, yeah. That's like "Amazing Grace," basically. That's like everybody <laughs> yeah. has their own version. Uh uh-huh. um, And uh-huh. some really good ones, and obviously some really uh-huh. awful ones. But I would say that's I would say that's probably the that dwarfs over every other cover. Okay. Uh, I would just say that's the one. Okay. The two that I saw a lot, uh, the the definite definite in second place is Life on Mars. Okay. Second which place. Which is kind of, you know. And number one by a wide margin, I would say, was Heroes. Yeah. So they're both like these big oh, yeah. anthems, you know? Like Life on Mars, I guess lots of an anthem, but you know. Heroes, super anthem. All yeah. kinds of people that's do that. That's the one. There were covers by artists as diverse as and I'm just gonna blow through this list, Jake. Blow it through. Yeah. Alice in Chains, Bauhaus, oh, The Cure, yeah. Depeche Mode, Mix, Flaming Lips on more than one occasion, Foo Fighters, Marilyn Manson, Janelle Monae, Morrissey, Motorhead, Seal, oh. Smashing Pumpkins, Michael Stipe, Stone Temple Pilots, Barbara Streisand, Tears for Fears, and White Stripes. Yes. And furthermore, I'm going to throw out some, uh, some props to six more notable covers that did not make the top ten. We'll go over really quick, but I will name the songs here. Uh, Tori Amos's cover of After All. Oh, yeah. Dinosaur Jr.'s cover of Quicksand. Duran Duran. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Duran Duran had not won <laughs> two notable covers. They're actually pretty good, and I don't even like Duran Duran. They covered Diamond Dogs and Boy's Keep Swimming, both in their later years, one in the 90s and one in the 2000s. Okay. And both of them are good. Oasis covered Heroes. TV on the Radio covered Heroes. And then i got to throw, throw something out to the cast of the Labyrinth Musical, the musical that Bowie co-wrote and... Did some stuff with, and it's a jukebox musical, and they therefore did covers a bunch of his songs. They're all worthwhile. All right. And uh, with that, oh. I'm finally ready to move to my number. Uh, can we just okay. give? Can we just give like a round of applause for all the people that covered yeah. Bobby's songs? Yeah. Hey. That didn't make way, the to list. way to cover. Way to cover. Way to go, guys. Hey, okay, do you do you want to do an intro first before I do my, nope, my number? No, because it's part. Of, it's my intro is part of my number ten. So I'll just okay. I'll all just right. let you go. Got it. Got it. All right, in number ten. Lord, with her cover of "Life on Mars." Lord, Lord, no. I don't. No, like there's some artists on here that I don't have any interest in, including one that I did not have the slightest clue who this person was until I listened to uh cover. But we'll was, get to that later. Was on. it Lord? No, it wasn't Lord. <laughs> Lord, you're aware of Lord? <laughs> <laughs> Got it. <laughs> the Lord, the Bowie. There was a Bowie tribute at the Brit Awards mm. on February. The Brit Awards. You know there was. was. And February twenty fourth, twenty sixteen, which was you know about a month and a half after Bowie died. Oh yeah, uh, it started to kick things off with a medley featuring several songs and featuring longtime Bowie associates, including Mike Garson, who we at one point uh, renamed Mick Garson, uh, in, <laughs> what? Or, or much, <laughs> as God intended, and uh, Gail Ann Dorsey, who is awesome enough that I'd also be entirely willing to call her Mick Ann Dorsey. Let's do it. I mean, let's do it. She won't mind. Uh, the medley ended with Lord coming out and singing "Life on Mars." Oh yeah! Uh, she was 19 years old at the time. Uh, she was apparently picked for the role by his family. Bowie at one point called her the future of music. Whoa. He was apparently a fan of Lord. Well done. There's rumors that they at one point maybe uh, recorded a duet together. Yeah. Possibly during the Black Star sessions. Unclear if that actually happened or not. Mm. But I have heard of those rumors. So we'll we'll uh, probably we'll probably find that out on a on a triple seven inch single. LP box set uh hey, Jake, in, the, in the coming years the Bowie estate has been doing things mostly right this year so far not recently though. Mo- no not the most recent <laughs> but you know mostly yes all right way to defend uh, that multinational corporation yeah will do uh Life on Mars is a similar arrangement but it's very effective she does an excellent job seeing it and I really enjoy it and it felt like a good uh a good tribute to him wonderful so, There you go. She starts crying at the end. Yeah. But not the way that you're like, where you're like, oh, stop crying. The way you're like, oh, she really feels stuff. She's real. She's real, Jake. It's authentic. (laughs) Authentic. She's real. Yeah. Hey. Hey Hey-o. Okay. All right. For number 10, I'm just going to do a little, I'm going to do a little tribute, do a little intro. Um, So when you go online and you look at all of the top 10 lists, for all of the best Dylan uh, covers, which of yeah. course there's like there's a lot there's like thousands of these things. Oh, like yeah. Every every couple of years, every publication will will throw something out there, and that's not to mention the bloggers and all the cool people online. Yeah. Um, so for number ten, I'm going to use Jimi Hendrix's version of "All Along the Watchtower." Ooh, yeah. Nice. Now that is a consensus number one pick for every other. Yeah, books. like even yeah. even the nerdy, cool, pitchforky. NME ones, like, none of them can just... Oh, NME so will probably also, give it to, like, whatever the coolest band is right now. And it's, you know? But even... It'd be like the Arctic Monkeys or something but even 10 years ago, and I don't know what it is now. Hendrix's All Along the Watchtower tops almost every single list, because yeah. it's so undeniable. It's like the Star Spangled Banner or something for water yeah. music. But so um, undeniable that you denied it, Jake. I denied it, number you denied one. denied but it's a little bit like, uh, I mean, obviously the song means a lot to me. Maybe, I, maybe you're the cool pitchfork guy who's like, eh, hey, hey, you guys. We will, I know they're pretty cool, but. Well, uh, actually. Like over here. Well, actually, it just felt a little, on this podcast, we're, we're like the counterculture of Bowie vs. Dylan podcasts. <laughs> I think, are we? don't you think we're the underground i mean there's other choices they're a lot more popular but we're the underground version of the no, we're The only one combined the two of them into one podcast so i mean that. and and as such we're both the establishment and the anti-establishment <laughs> so this is my anti-establishment side coming out uh i'm going to put it at number 10 but i'm also going to run down the other ver- the other dylan cover songs that are on all of these lists i'm just going to list these if they're not already on my list okay the Birds, Mr. Tambourine Man. Guns and Roses, knock, knock, knocking on heaven's door. Hey, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary's Blowing in the Wind. Maybe you've heard of that one. Uh, the Band, I Shall Be Released. Manfred Man's Mighty Quinn the Eskimo. The White Stripes, One More Cup of Coffee. I noticed we each had a uh, White Stripes cover version. Didn't know about what that. White Stripes did Mooney's Daydream. <laughs> uh, Johnny Cash and June Carter Cash's It Ain't Me, Babe. No, 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 it ain't me, babe. And Rage Against the Machines, Maggie's Farm. Those were all mm. frequent top ten participants. But none of those are Not on your list. list. Nope. I have a bunch of other wow. ones. So my intro, you know, oh. before I throw it back over to you. We all know number one's going to be Tin Machines cover of Maggie's Farm, but I can't imagine what's going to be in between. I don't know why you have to ruin everything for everybody. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> I deliberately didn't tell you that so that you wouldn't ruin it for everyone. But there you go. Um, I... I think my top 10 list, even though I think a lot of these songs are recognizably like very good and are on a lot of the lists, these are a little bit more like personal, like um, when I heard them or they mean something to me or they're interesting to me in some way. Because there's just so many Dylan covers and so many that are kind of consensus top 10 picks that, um, you know, some of them, some of mine are, are, are top 10 picks on other lists, but um, I didn't dig too deep. You'll see, Chaz. Hey, stay tuned, and why don't you do number nine? Hey, I will. Okay, number nine. M. Ward with "Oh, Let's, Dan- Let's Dance." What? Uh, I love that. Part. His 2003 album, "The Transfiguration of Vincent." Yeah. He busted out a slow acoustic version of "Let's Dance." I with did know party. this. I have that album. Let's dance. <laughs> song the play and then the radio, yeah, it's good. Let's um, again, I I think I said this, but I I like ones where they really uh, radically recontextualize the songs and do things and do things different. And it's easy, as it's become a cliche, to like just take a you know dance song and make it slow. Yeah. But uh, he does this really well, and I really like it. And uh, oh. I wish I were listening to it right now instead of you. <laughs> and, yeah, great. Hey, can we oh, just get it out of the nice way? To say, hey, that was a nice short one. Back to you, Jake. <laughs> can we just go ahead and get it out of the way that you'd rather be listening to all of your your nerdy <laughs> David Bowie covers than me? You're right. right. Yeah. Top, they're on a top well, ten list, Jake. That's how good they are. Well, how top about ten list. How about, how about you just, d- d- like, vice versa? Like, the reverse <laughs> is <laughs> also true. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I'll do numbers. I, I propose that between songs we go pew, pew, pew. Do <laughs> you, to you up, like too. that? Yeah, I like that. I'm just uh, in the mood for that today. Uh, you know, uh, tangent, uh, short tangent, my daughter, my three-year-old daughter, has been mm-hmm. going pew, 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 lately. And she's always the bad guy when she ever sh- was playing, and I don't know why. Yeah, good. So I guess it's Star Wars <laughs> or something. Too much Star Wars around here. Pew, 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 pew. All right, so number nine on my list of top ten Dylan covers is Harry Nielsen. Uh, singing subterranean homesick blues off of his mm. wild and wooly 1974 album, Pussycats, which uh, features pretty much, like, in a duet situation, um, John Lennon.
1: So okay. this is, this is yeah.
0: Lennon's, probably his most famous work in his Lost Weekend, when he took, like, five years off of being a normal human being, and he partied, and he, like, was, you know, he had taken up with Yoko Ono's personal secretary or something who was mm. yeah just like really and they're out, they out there just doing smack and like drinking and partying and going crazy and his favorite party buddy during this was harry nielsen i don't know if you knew that well i knew nielsen was you know i don't know a mess they they were a mess and so they they recorded an album together under harry nielsen's name probably to like avoid some contract with apple records or something yeah probably um and they opened their album with subterranean homesick blues and it's it's a real rocker jazz mm. it's like mm. it's and they're just screaming and yelling and famously this is the album that ruined harry nielsen's voice once and for all oh, and so you, you, get, you get a little bit yeah, of that, yeah, on that on subterranean definitely. homesick blues um also a quick shout out to the walkman one of my favorite rock bands Who, for no reason whatsoever, um, in the middle of their uh, uh, lovely career, covered the entirety of Pussycats and put it out. (laughs) It was like the Walkman presents Pussycats or something, and Uh the versions are, you know, they're basically the same as Harry Nielsen's, Uh except Hamilton Lighthouser's voice sounds different than Nielsen's. But it's like, you get down these little rabbits, nobody knows. I'm not even sure Uh if they know. You get down these rabbit holes when you start looking up like who covered what song, and then it yeah, went I'm thinking of like the Flame Lips and their attempts at covering like some of the best albums in existence. And yeah, like why? Yeah, like, just aim a little lower, like you the know, Dark Side did, of the Moon one. Dark Side of the Moon, and they did uh, Sergeant Pepper. Yeah, like, right. You're gonna <laughs> <Such> take <laughs> one peppers. of the like recognized greatest albums of all time, and you're gonna cover it. And yeah, like mm-hmm. what? Like take one that's like pretty good, and everyone's like, "Yeah, this is a pretty good album." And then like make that one like you do that. You're basically a wedding band when you do that. (laughs) You're like, "We're just a karaoke (laughs) machine." Uh, Uh Here it is. We spent five. We spent five minutes on this. We did it in a weekend. Yep. (laughs) Great. So that was number nine. Hera Nielsen. Go on. I'm waiting for the pewing. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Good. Good. That's it. Hey, number eight. Back. With Diamond Dogs, so in 2001, Back. a little movie by the name of Moulin Rouge came out. Ever heard of it, Jake? Ever heard uh it? Heard? but Red was makeup. all over this thing. Red makeup. and which kind of makes sense. He's not actually in the movie, which doesn't make sense to me. It feels like something he probably should have been in.
1: But he sure. sings.
0: Uh, he does a couple songs for the soundtrack, including collaboration with uh, Massive Attack. Okay. uh, The song Heroes, which keeps popping up, is notably concluded in the Elephant Love Medley. Okay. uh, Where it's like every love song ever shows up in one song. Yeah, I remember that. And Beck covered the song Diamond Dogs, which some of the characters are referred to as Diamond Dogs. It's been a long time since I've seen this movie, but some of the characters are referred to as the Diamond Dogs. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say this is the most different cover on the list from the original song. This thing is so much different that you know, the Diamond Dogs original song is kind of a bluesy... Uh, Rolling Stone style type track. Yeah. Um, this one is electronic soaked. The blues is basically entirely gone from it. He changed the vocal line, and it's kind of an ominous song. Um, I'll admit that I, I had a roommate in college who loved Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Brett, if you're listening. Oh, uh, Brett, I know how, Brett. About <laughs> you, man. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about you. Listen, you he listened to Moulin Rouge a lot for some, <laughs> some reason. He you owned know, like. The only music he ever listened to was uh, The Beatles, Christmas Music, and Moulin Rouge. That's it. The Beatles, Christmas Music. and uh, Oh, that's that's a nice trifecta. He was a music major. <laughs> that fits Brett to a T. That, shout out, Brett. And he was a music major, yes. So I knew Beck's cover of the song before I knew the original. It's also unique to this list. Okay. And when I finally heard the original, I was a little confused because like, it sounds so different. It took me a while to uh, to embrace the original. Because it just didn't, didn't seem right. You know? Oh, interesting. Diamond Dogs is one of those songs you know the name of, but you don't. Yeah, you know, it was. It's not like a staple of classic rock or <sighs> radio. Yeah, yeah, Not like Rebel, like Rebel, Rebel, I knew from the album, but you sure. Know, not Diamond Dogs, really. So uh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> well, I just like to say that you know uh, when we were younger, probably like more so than now, like the journey of discovery for some of our favorite musicians started with cover songs because it's like it's true. Dylan's it's true. the all-time. Oh, what? Dill- what? Bob Dylan wrote that song? Bob Dylan wrote that song? Yeah, you hear yeah. something you like, and it's like, oh, of course Bob Dylan wrote that song. All right, well, for number seven... Is that what we're on now? No, we're on number eight. Yeah. Uh, I'm, well, you're on number eight. I'm on number eight. That's right. Uh, so number eight is also Beck Adjacent, Woo! which is kind of interesting. So um, this is actually... Uh, a song by Them, which featured Van Morrison in 1966. It's their cover of, of It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. But my personal journey with this song, Chaz, begins oh, in, ni- yeah. in okay. 1996 when Bex <laughs> Odelay came out, and I uh-huh. listened to Odelay somewhere between 1,000 and 10,000 times, I'd say. Mm-hmm. Me too. 90s. I'd say it's definitely within the top 10 most times I've ever listened to an album, probably. Yeah. Uh, may, maybe not. I don't know. But it's, it's way up there for me personally. And so, you know, as such, I knew every part of every single song. Like we used to listen to albums front to back. You don't skip anything. You just like listen to the whole thing mm-hmm. over and over again. And one of the songs was called Jackass. And it started off like this. Boom, 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 boom. You know the one. He's like, I've been drifting along in the same stale old shoes, (laughs) et cetera, et cetera. Now, that riff to me, that kind of like um, uh, reverby, y tremolo-y riff was just like burned into my brain. And so you can imagine my shock when I heard. And delight. uh, I'm going to say delight. Well, at first I was just shocked. Then delay. So no first, room for yet. first shock. First shock delayed later on. Later. You could have <laughs> Exactly. You could have knocked right. me over with a feather when I heard them's version of It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, a song by Bob Dylan. Where Beck comp- Wait, how did it start, Jake sing it for okay, us? Okay, um, it's totally different than the first one. It goes like this. Boom, 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 Except he's like, you can take what you need, you think we'll last. Only a little bit more, <laughs> little bit more Scottish or Irish, I should say, on that. Um, anyway, um, so they put that out as a single. Them is the name of that band. Um, and it was from their album, Them Again. Mm. Yeah, anyway, not long after Van Morrison, uh, he decamped. Uh, them to become a very successful solo singer. But um, before he was famous, but after Them, he went and he lived in Woodstock, New York, and he kind of like kicked around and tried to find Dylan and talk to him and all this stuff. So he clearly had a respect for, for Dylan. Um, it's a good song. The, the Them version of it is, is just fine. I like listening to it a lot, but what really makes it my, you know, part of my top 10 list is that it completely informs this other song by Beck. Um, and I've never been much of a crate digger. Like, I wasn't one of those people back then that found every single uh, song or every single riff that Beck used on mm. Overlay, which is a complete... There's like know, a billion of them. Pastiche, yeah. It's crazy. Um, so I didn't know that until like several, you know, five years ago or something like that when I heard it. So mm-hmm. that's my personal journey for number nice. eight. Boom. Hey. hey. Number seven. Yeah. Their old pal, Trent Reznor. Oh, I know him. Chris Ross. <laughs> Not personally. On a cover of Life on Mars. Mm. Or second for the list. One? Not the last, uh, I guess, I'm assuming. I, mean, uh, I, think only, I think there's only two on this list. Okay. Uh, this is the most recent one. It is from late 2019. It was released in December of 2019, but it's awesome. So I put it on the list. It's an inter- instrumental cover of Life on Mars. That they did for the Watchmen TV show, because they soundtracked that. Uh, Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. It's all, like, piano and synths. It's very haunting, like, uh, you know, haunting. Just kind (laughs) of haunting. I have not seen the show or any episodes of it, but I do like the original graphic novel it's based on. Sure. Uh, But apparently it's very fitting for whatever happens, something shocking that happens at the end of the episode. I don't know. That's all I got from some spoiler-free review that I saw in there. Nice. But it's cool to see Trent Reznor coming in here because he was close personal friends with Bowie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They worked together and did some stuff together. Uh, after Bowie's death, Trent Reznor, I think, I think the Edgar Ross, actually did a, a remix of one of Bowie's last songs that was really good. Mm. And so it's cool to see this here, too, in their uh, their little, uh, I don't know, they're just they're a tete dance. Their dance, Jake. Let's dance. Dance. Yeah um and on so a short one which is good because otherwise episode is gonna go like nine hours <laughs> <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing uh some of us don't have anything better to do than to listen to podcasts like this all day long. <laughs> all right number seven is Nina Simone's version of I shall be released uh consensus well not consensus but uh, most of the people online, Point to another Nina Simone song for their favorite cover of Bob Dylan, and that's just like "Tom Thumb's Blues." And I think that's because it's kind of a jazzier, kind of a different version. She really puts her own, uh, you know, unique stamp on that. Yeah. Um, but my favorite one is "I Shall Be Released," and that's just that's just straight ahead soul. That's just a soul track with some nice backup singers. And um, I think that I always think about Bob Dylan and Nina Simone in uh, as being somewhat somewhat soulmates in terms of their music at least and that's that each of them are able to take a song um, they could even be about something specific but they they have an uncanny ability to make it universal yeah, so, yeah like dylan Road, i should be released and it's pretty much like this guy's in jail and he's mad and he's uh he's thinking about everybody that put him there and like one day he'll be free et cetera. Et cetera. but when nina simone sings it like there are Definite overtones and undertones of like civil rights, like "I shall be yeah. released," to, you know, "We shall be released," and she sings it with such, you know, such kind of heartache, but such triumph that it really transforms the song. Um, so, that's off the album "To Love Somebody" from 1969, and that's mm. Nina Simone's version of "I Shall Be Released." <laughs> <laughs> All right, number six, we're throwing a surprise out there. It's a surprise to everyone, including me. What? Shocking. Uh, Shocking. (laughs) Uh, It's some dude's name is going by R.C. He, like, released maybe one album or something. Nobody knows who he is. Oh, no. And he did a cover of Fame. Oh. Uh, So I, I listened to at least... You know, the first minute of, it had to have been 50 songs or something for this episode. I did not mm-hmm. listen to all of every song, don't get me wrong. Jake. Okay, well. But I put together a gigantic list and listened and listened and listened and, listened and gave everything a shot, everything, you know. Yeah, I heard give it a, give it a This spin. one is from a 1996 compilation album called Dr. Dre Presents The Aftermath, <laughs> produced for Dr. Dre. <laughs> I think I heard of that. And Jake, this is the gangster rap version of fame that we never knew that we all needed. (laughs) I have no idea. It's so awesome. (laughs) Somebody put it online to some like slow motion clip. I don't think it's the original video for it. Oh my goodness. But it works so... It's one of those amazing YouTube things where people just put it together, which definitely colored my view of this. But it's just like this awesome, yeah, total gangster rap version of fame that... And it says it's 1996, mid-90s cover, um, which of course makes me think of Bowie's own... Remix of Fame from 1990, which is just the worst. (laughs) Fame (laughs) 90. Fame 90, everyone knows that. one of the worst songs he ever released. It's so terrible. This one's got – it's so cool. It's got so much swagger. It's got yeah. people rapping on it who actually know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, we'll I love it. It is, it is definitely a cover, but it also – it notably features samples of the original song. But yeah. It's not just like a sample where you contextualize it into a new song. I would call this a cover that has more stuff on top of it. Okay, sure. It's a cover. So I got i got no clue who this RC guy is out there. I like, the RC. Shout out. You know, he doesn't even show up on Wikipedia like I don't what? know what his dude is, but uh nice one on The Aftermath, produced by Dr. Dre in 1996. <laughs> oh, man. It's a good song, Jake. It's good. I'm just saying. I've uh, okay. I listened to a whole bunch from now. Back to you. <laughs> For those of you at home, Chaz just made like a machine gun Like (laughs) gesture. Oh yeah. So do it. (laughs) Do it again, and everyone's gonna imagine you pointing a machine gun at me. I was sweeping back and forth. It was like you know Valentine's Day massacre style. I got strafed with pew pew pew's just now. Terrible. Just like gangster rap would have us. (laughs) Absolutely. So um, mid nineties gangster rap. So I'm gonna file this under things I don't know why I know this. I just I read a lot of music criticism and a lot of like music. Uh, history stuff, um, but the aftermath was uh, was Dr. Dre's ill fated follow up to the Chronic, which is one of yeah. the best selling and better uh, rap albums <laughs> of all time. So there it is. Nice I don't to know her. why, but I know he that. Is, Yeah, he doesn't. He like has like two songs in it or something. Otherwise, right. it's just pretty. It's a it's a whole bunch of other people. right. And everyone was like, "What?" And then I guess he didn't reference that when he came back with uh, the Chronic 2001 or whatever that was. He like pre- pretended it didn't exist, like Rocky Five. <laughs> Just like Rocky. Just Joe. like I mean, great analogy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, number six for me is Cat Power singing "Stuck Inside of Mobile" with the Memphis Blues again. Yeah, I've heard that one. It's a good one. This is off the <laughs> I'm Not It's Smoky. Oh, it's it's real Smoky. It's real. It's real bluesy. <laughs> it's real Memphisy. It's real mm-hmm. Muscle Shoalsy. Oh yeah. Uh, that's on the I'm Not There soundtrack, which produced. Um, like lots of great Dylan covers, like an inordinate mm-hmm. amount of everyone's favorites come come from that soundtrack. It's real good. That's from 2007. Um, so we were giving you Chaz and I were giving you some some ways to describe it. It's just it's like a it's like a perfect song for Cat Power at that time. She was she was doing the Memphis Soul thing mm-hmm. uh, for her album The Greatest right around that time, which is my favorite Cat Power album. And all the nerds can come at me. Not earlier Cat Power. Sorry. <laughs> I I love the greatest when she. I am free. I like. I like. I am free. Yeah, people like I am free. Yeah, but um, I like her after she sold out, like so many other musicians. Yeah, just like Bob Dylan. Just (laughs) hey ho. (laughs) Um, Anyway, I don't know how how else to describe it except that I could just stuck inside a mobile is like seven minutes long, but it feels like it's three. Like it's one of those Mm -hmm. ones that just keeps going. One of Dylan's. One of my favorite Dylan songs. Full stop. But her. Her version's just great. She kills it. I wish I was listening to it right now. <laughs> All right, number five. I apologize to the musician in in uh in question if I am mispronouncing his name. I believe it is Sue Jorge. Okay. Uh, oh yeah, I know that a guy. A will cover this. This one is called "O Astronauta de Marmor. which nice. is a cover of "Starman." Yeah. Um, he appeared in the 2004 film, The Life Aquatic, with Steve Zissou, mm-hmm. and he plays uh, Pele dos Santos in the movie. If you've seen the movie, you will remember a fetching gentleman constantly sitting around with an acoustic guitar yes. playing covers of Bowie songs in Portuguese. And on a cla- this is who we're talking about. And on a classical guitar, like a nylon string guitar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. It's, good. it's awesome. It's, it's just awesome. a really excellent part of the movie, which I really like the movie also. So uh, five of his songs ended up on the official soundtrack, but he did a whole bunch more, many of which did not appear in the film at all. So like a year later after the official soundtrack came out, another soundtrack came out of just him playing 13 David Bowie covers in Portuguese. Fantastic. And one original. And it's awesome. I thought they're awesome acoustic versions. They're just like, I don't know. It's a very unique, very great thing. Um, Bowie himself was a fan. Yeah. He says, quote... Had Su Jorge not recorded my songs in Portuguese, I would never have heard this new level of beauty which he has imbued them with. Oh wow! So nice one, Su Jorge. He yeah, uh, he concentrates sweet. on it's almost entirely early seventies songs, uh, mostly from Hunky Dory and Z Stardust. So, Oh Astronauta de Marroir is a cover of Starman. That was the one I picked. They're all really good, but that sure. was that was one that I particularly enjoyed. Yeah, and uh, it's not one Starman you don't, don't see having been covered very often too. That's not a, Great song, a common <laughs> cover. So nice one, Suhar. Hey, way to go! <laughs> pew! That was a <laughs> shotgun pew. That's a really big, like one big one there for you, Jake. That was worth waiting for. That was <laughs> that was worth the that was worth the wait. That's all I'm gonna say about that. <laughs> all right, uh, for number five already. Hey. Halfway we're through. We're doing yeah, we're doing all right. Halfway through. Right. Let's give ourselves a, I'm just going to yeah, do it. Yeah. You don't have to. I just gave ourselves a round of applause. We're already past halfway through. Number five is uh, a the cover of Mama, You've Been On My Mind by a little rock star, Jean, uh, Chaz, that you might know as Rod Stewart. Ever heard of him? <laughs> oh. Now oh, listen. Super. Now listen. <laughs> Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, well, we're bringing him in, baby. in Rod We Trust is my motto no no yes I just want to remind everyone or maybe tell you for the first time like you Chaz who I've tried to tell this to and you just you never listen yeah a reminder on my point I just don't Rod Stewart prior to about 1979 maybe 1980 was a wonderful rock star like up there with with uh, with Mick Jagger and up there with the stupid David Bowie and everything, <laughs> no. like oh my gosh, he was awesome. He put out a string of really classic albums um, that focused on kind of like the acoustic side of rock and roll. So there were like mandolins flying around and uh, upright <laughs> basses and all so the stuff. <laughs> he was awesome when he was in uh, the Faces, the band that he was in with Ron Wood, who became a Dylan <laughs> uh, a Dylan collaborator later on. Yeah. Um and he put out a string of successful solo albums that I own all of them. Not going to be sorry about that ever. Do you have like a box set of them, The Red? Right? No, I have the faces box set. Oh, okay. Also right. fantastic. If you ever feel like just rocking out and but you you're you're tired of the Rolling Stones, get get some faces in your life. <laughs> Go for it. Okay. okay. Right. Anyway, this was on the album Never a Dull Moment, and let me tell you, there wasn't one. A dull <clears throat> moment, I should say. <laughs> That was from 1972. Um, this was definitely one of those songs when I heard it, I'm like, this is awesome. I love this song. It's totally rocking. Wait a minute. Is that a Dylan song? And then I liked it even Wait. more. <laughs> Wait a minute. But what? <laughs> and that's not Wouldn't this be you? That's not the Rod Stewart album where he just, like, the cover of, of it is him just pointing his crotch at you. Unfortunately, <laughs> that would have made it better. Yeah. <laughs> in his oh, red his, okay. right, there's his there's maroon there. velour suit <laughs> oh man such a All right, move sexy on, move on. sexy man that Rod Stewart in 1972 <laughs> uh, how do I make like the sexiest pew pew sound let's be like pew 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 pew, pew, pew. <laughs> <laughs> on okay. to you Hey, let's get serious. Let's, get let's a little not little pretentious, a little ostentatious. Alright. And let's talk about uh a guy I really like by the name of Philip Glass. Oh, that is pretentious. Just his name I screams pretension. The thing is both of us like him, so I love okay. Philip Glass. <laughs> I love Philip Glass too. <laughs> and he hates but, that know. we love him. He hates it, I'm sure. But he's he's uh, he's the highest brow entry on either of our list, probably.
1: Yeah, uh, anyway,
0: so. Phil Glass, highbrow as he is, and you know, as dominating of modern uh, classical music as he is, uh, has done now three symphonies based on David Bowie albums. Yeah, not one, not two, Ooh. but three. No, less in 1992, you. he did a cover of Low. Like, he and by cover, I mean he didn't do the entire album. He picked like three songs off of it and made them, you know, into big long variation orchestral works sure. for his symphony. His very first symphony is based on Low. In 1996, he did Heroes, which is Symphony Number 4, and just last year in 2019, mm-hmm. he did Lodger um, for Symphony Number 12. Those of you who are sitting at home will realize that is Bowie's Berlin trilogy, which he yeah. covered all through them now. Uh, Lodger has not come out in any kind of home media, so I have not been able to listen to a note of it, but I own Low and Heroes proudly, and Heroes is uh, by far my favorite. And in particular, I really like his cover of the song Heroes. Hey. Um, so he takes it and it's as lovely, repetitive, you know, as it's glass, so it's you know, there's a lot of repetition. Definitely. Or Caspo version, there's tons of strings, you know, they're gonna mesmerizing. Woo 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 woo. mesmerizing. Woo woo so you know that <laughs> yeah. kind of thing that kind of thing repeat for uh, 17 minutes and you get a good sense well actually the hero song is only six minutes long so uh, like you know nice it's weird. like the same length as the original that's like a dylan which uh, like which, which dylan makes, makes it a favorite song. as well um it's really awesome a uh, note on this too is that i think i mentioned this before but one of my favorite bowie involvement at all songs is apex twin did a mashup of philip glass version of heroes mm-hmm. with bowie's vocals from the original song heroes Yowzers. and then threw on some like weird you know and a horrible sounds that make you sound like it's i don't know, like moaning and stuff yeah, like, on there but like, it like, turns in this really creepy but amazing song of the two of them together yeah um but that's not that's like a remix that's not technically a technical cover so we're going with the philip glass one which nice. is hot. okay so all right jake i got a pew for you that fits this scenario really well this is the kay. philip glass pew <laughs> okay. That's Einstein on the beach. This is you know. I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just whenever I hear Philip Glass's name, Einstein on the beach, absolutely pops up. I studied and that, and I it stays there when... for four hours. I, my version is seven. I don't know. I just <laughs> I'm gonna need seven hours now. I got I got the four disc version. I don't know if there's anything longer than that. Man. I think so. Yeah. Anyway, play that thing at high volume and uh, you'll drive everyone insane during this quarantine we're in. Oh, my wife hates that. Oh, Oh, man. Oh, man. Does she hate flying Einstein on the beach? I only love love my weird memories of it at this point, I'll have to say. Um, okay, so uh, before I get to number four, because we're more than halfway through, I'm just going to do a real quick honorable mention list. I won't talk hey, about them or anything. Oh, you're, just, you're just gonna, just, I, I did the, in the beginning. You're yeah, throwing it in now. I'm just, just going to go. Mixing things uh, This is like a one sentence. Unpacked, uh, just like Dylan. Yeah. I'm just going to interject here. So uh, Joan Baez's Simple Twist of Fate, <laughs> which is a – it's a terrible it's kind of a terrible seventies version of the song, except she does a dead ringer impersonation of him for one of the verses. Oh yeah yeah yeah. Unbelievable. It's yeah, worth it's yep. all worth it. Just go and listen to it. Uh Nico, I'll keep it with mine, a song that mm-hmm. Bob Dylan wrote for her when they were vacationing together in Italy, but they were platonic. Is that, does that count as a cover then? Yeah, because he recorded it. He recorded oh, it. Oh he still as well. recorded it for us. Oh, oh yeah. He wrote it like he wrote it, like, okay. He didn't yeah. like write it for her to sing, he wrote it for her. Oh, I don't he, know, he, you know, but it's honorable like mention, this. so who cares, but I, I, okay. I guess, right. I think he wrote it for her, and she put it on Chelsea Girl. Right, because you know. on Chelsea Girl. Yeah. I just, Chelsea I threw Girl. out things like Mott the Hoople, and, you know, all yeah. that Oh, I the see the what country. you're saying. Yeah. But he wrote for them, but he recorded his own version first, I think, you know, and then he used it, like, for guide vocals. I think Dylan recorded a demo version for his, for his, uh, for his publishing company before she did it, but... I don't think it's on... I'm not sure it's on an album, to be honest. Yeah. So, Anyway, these, this semantic conversation doesn't matter whatsoever. <laughs> uh, okay, uh, here's a band I know you like, Yola Tango. Actually, Jake, what? I would refer to it as pedantic. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because I was being pedantic right then. Chaz, we get it. <laughs> I just wasn't sure everybody got it. I've been excluded hey, by you know what? what pedantic means a lot because he acts so pedantic. The Ooh, more you explain it, the more pedantic you become. So why don't you just... <laughs> A self, Which is the point. It's a self-fulfilling <laughs> prophecy. Um, okay, another honorable mention is Yolotango. Yolotango's Tango. fourth time around. Um, I love this. Uh, this is also on the I'm Not There soundtrack. Um, oh, okay. And oh, for I'm some reason it's... Like- I don't know a heck of a lot of Yoda Tango but I don't where that song. Exactly. For some reason, it's like six minutes long, and Dylan's version is actually like three. It's like a normal. Oh, so they just they only, just the they only Dylan cover where the the cover is longer than the original. Uh, and the reason I like it is because, well, a Yodel Tango can just morph into any band or person that oh, they yeah, want to. They're, awesome. they're amazing, but also because um the female vocalist—I can't remember her name. You know it. Who's the Who's the female in Yota Tango? Georgia. Yeah. She sings the song, so it switches. I love when things switch gender, when mm-hmm. uh, especially with Dylan songs, because he's such he's such a, a jerk of a man sometimes that it's fun yeah. to hear it from the other the other thing. Um, okay, Uncle Tupelo's Moonshiner. They opened up their very first album with a Bob Dylan cover and made them sound like train car hobos from the nineteen forties, which <laughs> they were train car hobos, which made them perfect. which made them incredible. But again, that was one of those ones where I was like, oh, that's a that's a Dylan song. Um, So go to them. And then Warren Zevon, right before he died, made a version of Knocking on Heaven's Door, which is like, makes you cry when you hear it. Hey, hey, hey. That's Guns N' Roses. That doesn't make anybody cry. Um, I'm talking Warren Zevon while he was dying recorded a version of Knocking on Heaven's Door. Thanks for making fun of it. (laughs) Yeah, you're welcome. All right. My, welcome. Real, Anytime, Jake. Anytime. my real number four is, uh, I don't know, maybe you've heard of him. His name is George Harrison from the Beatles. Yeah, cool. <laughs> uh, if Not For You, a uh, a lovely Dylan song that was on his album, New Morning. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an outtake that's on one of the bootleg series where George Harrison plays some sweet slide guitar on it with Dylan as Dylan sings it. But then George Harrison did his own version his seminal 1970 album All Things Must Pass Um, by far the best post-Beatles Beatles Beatles album of all Um, it's just like I think you're forgetting the rich contributions of (laughs) Wingo (laughs) Anna and Jake you know I'm not although (laughs) uh, also how incredibly schlock (laughs) Paul got I, I just Paul let's not even go Paul doesn't get a mention on this at all for his for his solo work Except for Live and Let Die, that song's boss. Great song. Boss song. Good. Uh, Anyway, uh, back to George Harrison, the real Best Beatle. Uh, His version of Not For You is just, it's one of the many centerpieces on that great album. Um, Yet another one where you hear it, you think, like, this is George Harrison, and then all of a sudden you realize at some point that it's a Bob Dylan song just lovely a great love song I remember uh, wooing my my wife when she wasn't my wife with the song around various campfires it works for you <laughs> <laughs> all right on to you so number let four let me be a uh, a lesson to all of you single fellas and ladies out yeah, there yeah do it <clears throat> it worked <laughs> oh it worked oh um so let's see uh let's do like a slide guitar pew pew pew, 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 pew. Pew, 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 That was good. <laughs> yeah, that was great. Hey, number three is a guy who you might not remember his name at first, but then I'll explain who it is, and you'll be like, oh, yeah, that guy. I'm ready. His name is Chris, is Chris Hatfield, and he covered Space Oddity. Oh. Chris Hatfield was a – really still alive, you know, a real-life astronaut. What? And he recorded it in space. What? Stop. Yes. This is Do you is not incredible. know about this, gig? No, I yeah. don't. In 2013 – uh, he did. I do really don't know how much of uh, the audio they recorded in space, but they recorded the entire music video. It's the first music video ever shot in space. <laughs> um, I don't know if any part of it was, was uh, any of the audio was recorded in space. It was clearly recorded elsewhere because there's like a piano in it. And something tells me they didn't bring a piano into space. He had his guitar, but. I mean, where would you put it? Honestly? <laughs> there's piano, drums, different effects and stuff. Um, sure. I don't know if they recorded any part any part of the audio in space, but the music video is out there. Okay. Um, he notably changed the lyrics to Space Audi, which is nice because, you know, Major Tom just kind of dies out there. Yeah, that's not cool, man. <laughs> so it's a little more positive for a guy, you know, who was actually in space. And didn't die in space. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Did not die in space. Great. Uh, there were some weird stuff at the rights because they did this and they posted it online on, on YouTube. And um, the it was taken down by Bowie's Publisher. What? Because, you know, it was an unlicensed cover. Uh. But uh, Bowie got involved because Bowie thought it was really cool. It, quote, it was a quote from Bowie. Bowie says, It's possibly the most poignant version of the song ever created. Mm. Um, so after it was taken down, Bowie worked with his publicist to get it pushed back up, which eventually did, and now it is just online all the time. Um, but there's a lot of really confusing laws related to this because since the recording was made and posted from space, it wasn't clear which country <laughs> laws and licenses the song were made under. The international <laughs> waters. That's incredible. It's not, not international. It's beyond nations. We're you know like out in space. So uh, I it think was, we should... it was a little. I guess there was a lot of confusion there as to how this all worked. Eventually, it was just Bowie saying like, "Hey, it's my song. Leave it up there." That that seemed to have made it. Made Give it me so ten percent. <laughs> I need my ten percent, so please. This would be one like. Again, where it's the whole story. I mean, the version is good. Like, the audio, like, the, the, if I just listen to the song, it's really good. But seeing this guy, like, floating out in space singing the song is yeah. amazing. Like, it's just, it takes it over the top. To, yeah, like, nice. In a way that Bowie would have appreciated. I can't make fun of that. That sounds great. No, no, don't make fun of it. I will he's, he's a cool guy. Yeah. Cool guy. Cool guy. Hey, nice cool guy. He's real cool. Hey, cool he has, guy. He's got a sick mustache, too. He's it's a, he, <laughs> which is all that matters. You know I know he's listening right now. So take take yeah, it as a compliment. Obviously. Obviously. Yeah. Possibly in space. I don't know if he's in space right now, but if he is, he's listening in space. Word. So, we're going to make it kind of like a spacey noise to the pew. Okay. Pew, pew, pew. You know, in space chairs, no one can hear you pew. <laughs> Uh, that's just a rumor. That's not true. <laughs> um I also want to say something um related to space and David Bowie that I can make fun of because it's it makes fun of itself. <laughs> do you remember it was like last year or 2 years ago Elon Musk shot a car into space yeah. while he yeah. was playing Space Oddity in per- perpetuity? Yeah, I do. Yeah. That's yeah. dumb. That's really I mean it's kind of awesome, but that's pretty that's pretty that just laughs at itself. No, I'm curious. Yeah. Is, is it playing Space Odyssey or yeah. are you playing Starman? Maybe okay, Starman. Right. It's one of the two, but it's playing Bowie for sure. Yeah, a yeah. car. They just shot it in space. <laughs> playing yeah. a playing A Tesla. Bowie's. Yep. He <laughs> shot it into space. Yep. His own personal one, actually. You know, I could have used that Tesla. I'll tell you what. <laughs> during these uncertain times. All right, uh, let's do number three. This is uh, Emmy Lou Harris, and it's her version of Every Grain of Sand. Off of her yeah, this night. one goes out. This one goes out to our mother, who loves Emmy Harris. Well, and our dad, who is sadly no longer with us, but originated the love, the family love. Some of us, anyway, of Emily uh, <laughs> <Lou> Harris. <laughs> there are black sheep in the family. Emily <laughs> <wait for. laughs> Harris, Let it be admitted that there is one in particular member who is yeah. like, Meh. yeah, but there's one. Not- and does not own any Emmylou Harris albums. There is one particular member who thinks he loves Emmylou Harris, but doesn't know the first thing about her. And that's not you. <laughs> no, that's not me. <laughs> no, that's not you. That's- I own one album where she does like backup vocals. And I, there's that Bright Eyes album where she does backup vocals. Oh, I got that great one. album. Great album. She does backup yeah. vocals on Dylan's uh, Desire as well. Okay, I don't know. Anyway, her Emmy Lou Harris is never probably, heard like probably, male or female, probably the foremost interpreter of other people's songs, at least in this kind of country rock sphere. Yeah. Um, and so she does Every Grain of Sand, which to my mind is Dylan's. I was thinking, theme. like, Weird Al is probably the foremost interpreter of other people's songs, don't you think, Jake? I don't think that's correct. I think, <laughs> as much as I love <laughs> Weird Al, <laughs> uh, okay, just, all right. I mean, we'll just have to agree. Okay. With <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, Emmy Lou Harris. Ah, weird <laughs> Ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> you know, let's call it a tie. Let's call it a tie. <laughs> um. Mm. So, every grain of sand, I think, is Dylan's greatest gospel song that he ever wrote, and the okay. and the reason I think this is because when he, he became wrote a lot a, of bad gospel songs, he wrote a lot of bad ones, but even more than that. Um, he wrote a lot of simple gospel songs, like um, mm-hmm. when he became a new Christian and evangelical, um, a lot of his songs were very straightforward. It was like, believe in Jesus or die, the apocalypse is coming, et cetera, et cetera, like get on board, yeah, get man. on the train, like all these really, like he's <laughs> such a smart songwriter that these songs didn't, they just didn't sound as smart as he normally did. But... As he came to the end of his evangelical phase, he started writing songs that uh, started kind of detailing and expressing his doubt and his fear. But also, like, the (laughs) bigness of God and, like, what it means to actually, you know, believe in God and all that. And every grain of sand. Some people can kind of dig into it, you know, and relate to it. Right. I mean, that's what, you know, not to get too, like, big about the whole thing, but that's like. A lot of human, a lot of humanity is like mm-hmm. the all these things kind of squished together. And every grain of sand, I think, is Dylan's greatest example of that. Of course, he he put it on the album where he he kind of swore off his evangelical Christianity. Um, <laughs> naturally, naturally. <laughs> naturally, yeah, that's what Dylan does. Saving the best for last. Oh, he rolls. Um And Amy Lou's version, um, and this is kind of a Dan- Daniel Lan-Wauza. Uh <laughs> We'll just put that in there. Hey, how did you not coin that phrase sooner? <laughs> I did. Oh. Chaz, I I, you don't listen to our podcast. No, just, I don't. You just don't. Mm-mm. Uh, that was on our last... I'm listening to a different podcast right now. That was on our last... That was on our last anniversary. That was 10 years ago. 10 years ago, we did it. Oh. <laughs> it was our... our <laughs> when we did all those funny names for the phases. One of mine was Daniel Lanoise. Yeah. Oh, hey. Okay, I remember that now. <sighs> okay. Yeah, all right. Anyway, Man. let's just move past this. Uh, Daniel hand? Daniel Lanois. Produced Lou Harris's "Wrecking Ball" in 1995, and kind of brought her back, like made her cool again after kind of a decade or more in the wilderness um, that both of our guys have had. Um, so anyway, it's just it's beautiful. You hang on every word, and that's my number three. On to you, let's just do like a. <laughs> I don't know how you did that with your mouth. That was impressive. Thank you. Thanks, Word. Thanks. Hey, number two. Now, Jake, you relegated everyone's favorite number one down to number 10. I did. Um, I took everyone's favorite number one for Bowie and gave it number two. All right. That's cool. And that is, number two is Nirvana's cover of The Man Who Sold the yes. World. Yes. Whoa. Famously on uh, 1994, well, it was recorded in late 93. Yeah. Uh, released in 94, Unplugged in New York. Yeah. It was recorded in November, December 93, about three months before Cobain's death. Um, Nirvana, I mean, that's widely regarded as like the best unplugged concert the, yeah. And it's really good. It's really oh, good. That's awesome. Um, Unplugged started in 1989. I didn't realize it was that early. Yeah. It went for, I guess I didn't write down how long it went for, but a long time. Um, but kind of the conceit, you know, is that it's a bunch of rock musicians just like playing their hits, but playing them acoustic or acoustic adjacent. Like <laughs> acoustic yeah, Not right. actually acoustic, including Nirvana on this exact summer. Right yeah, here. with like a um, ripping electric guitar. I know, like he's... he's the man is kind of clearly playing like an electric guitar during this song. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um. Unlike most unplugged sets, it did not feature a whole bunch of hits. It featured mostly deep tracks and obscure covers. Yep. And this was one of them. This song was really pretty obscure until this. Even though yeah. Bowie had album named "The Man Who Sold the World," this song was a nothing song until Nirvana. Um. And so nowadays you'll find it like on every best of comp, but it really wasn't like a. A thing before this. No. I remember. Um, this I remember is notable because it's maybe the only song in on the list which I emphatically believe to be better than the original. Oh, yeah. I think it's a better version. Re- Bowie's version is fine. Don't get me wrong. It's not bad. But I think this one is better. It's great. Um, and it's extremely iconic performance. Many people, including a pre-teen Charlie and barely teen Jake, hey, oh. thought it was in Nirvana original. <laughs> in of course. The fact that he Immediately beforehand says, this is a David Bowie song. Yeah. We didn't listen um, to that. It inspired Bowie himself to begin playing the song again live, like very shortly afterwards. Because suddenly I like this, and all these kind of people <laughs> thought that it was a Nirvana song. And, He's you know. like, "Hey, I wrote that song. Hey, hey, hey. that was me. I remember writing that song. I did that. <laughs> That's a pretty good song, now that I think about it. Let's make some a money." Very, very different, like trip hop inspired version of it. So, well, I mean, whatever. Eno <laughs> wasn't he can't be okay. he can't be normal. it's about. all right. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> ah. Um, and now I'm going to do an acoustic, acoustic pew. So, okay. uh... <sighs> <laughs> yeah, I like what you did there. That's I appreciate it. that. Like, at first I thought you were going to make it sound like an acoustic guitar somehow, but then you were like, there was a special salute to acoustic pewing. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's great. Hats off to you, sir. <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> Oh man! All right, let's do number two. That, of course, is the the birds. That's with a Y. That's not like the birds outside your window. That's the birds with a Y. The seminal it's- American. Oh. Yeah. Now you know what I'm talking about. That's the birds. Oh, oh 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 oh. With their version of "You Ain't Going Nowhere," you ain't you ain't going nowhere from their uh from their album "Sweetheart of the Rodeo" from 1968. Now, the most famous Birds version of a Bob Dylan song is obviously "Mr. Tambourine Man." They had a Mr. Tam, yeah, They yeah, had a yeah. number. I believe it was a number one hit in 1965 mm-hmm. with "Mr. Tambourine Man," and the Birds kind of made their career, at least the start of it, um, by covering Dylan. They covered Dylan like a wild amount of times and put it on albums. Yeah. Um, and this is my favorite version. This is when they teamed up with Graham Parsons, who was kind of the outlaw country alt country guy. Um, and they teamed up with him and they did a very like straightforward country album called Sweetheart of the Rodeo, um, which was way ahead of its time. It was even ahead of Dylan, who kind of got credit for starting, uh, starting this kind of all-country movement with Nashville Skyline. Mm-hmm. But Sweetheart of the Rodeo came out before that and it bombed. It was an absolute bomb because the birds were known as a, a rock and roll band. Like a, almost, they were kind of veering psychedelic at that time and then they just brought it all back. A bunch of like hymns and, and other kind of bluegrass songs. But they included "You Ain't Going Nowhere," the Bob Dylan song, which was from the Basement Tapes, which obviously had not been released yes. yet. But it was one of yes. the many one, one of the many. many Basement Tape songs that uh, other artists were picking up and doing their own versions of. Bob would do his own version on Greatest Hits Volume Two in 1971. Um, but I think this is probably the first time anybody heard this song. Uh, great song, just straight ahead, real nice and acoustic. Love it. Wish I was listening to it right now. <laughs> okay uh-huh. here's a here's a uh, a long distance pew, pew! pew! <laughs> i don't know what they uh, had to do with anything but i i liked it i liked it Thanks. hey i'm gonna hit you with number one i was number one was there jake i am not sure if there are any bowie covers that have charted is that right? Like I can't think of one. I've well, been going like, through all this stuff. There've been like multiple number ones for Dylan songs. Oh, I'm sure. None? And I'm sure there's, there's I'm sure there's something that's charted in the top 40 somewhere. Sure, sure, there's sure, definitely sure. no number There's definitely no number ones. I'd be amazed if they're any number 10s. Like, you know, top 10. Like Well, I think I think it became a cliche to cover <clears> Dylan at some point <throat> even though it worked almost all the time at first. But like it seems like Bowie is a cooler artist to cover now. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, or there's post, been an post seven years, of covers yeah. since he died. Sure. But, Tribute anyway, and since his 2013 return. Anyway, speaking of 2013, Yeah. Uh, we're going to bring back a guy who featured previously in this list, a gentleman by the name of Beck. No! Oh, two of them! The second number on the list, with the number one, This cover of Sound and Vision. What? I don't know if I've ever so heard it. So in 2013, that. Jake, um, I'm going to start, here, I'm going to start with the, the quote from Beck. Start at, start at the end. It was an experiment and an opportunity to try something completely irrational. Mm. This cover is over the top in every conceivable way. It's nine and a half minutes long. Yeah. It features a 157 piece orchestra. <laughs> what? <laughs> including a standard orchestra, a whole bunch of horns, some distorted guitars, <laughs> mallet percussion, marching band drums, a gospel choir, a theremin, an elphorn. horn. What? A saw, some yeah, dude looks yeah. like saw in a saw, and a yodeler, and this is just what I could see in the video. I, I didn't find a list of who all is there. That's Holy the one. Thing. Buckets. The orchestra was conducted by Beck's dad. So go dad, <laughs> go him, go Beck's dad, um, Mr. It Hansen. Was, it was done for a one live show, featuring a rotating stage. So he's like, it's these concentric circles. So he's like in the middle on the stage that is turning, what? and then the audience is like in the next one out, which is also turning. And then, or maybe it's the I don't know. And there's another ring out with the rest of the band. What? Um, around that. And there's different parts turning and spinning. He, um, it was recorded in 360 in like multiple spots. So the whole, and I remember, I, I can't find the actual like whole experience now, but I remember watching this thing in 2013 yeah. when it first came out. Um, but you can, like choose. It was an immersion experience, experience type three sixty thing where you could choose which view you wanted to see at any given time. So you could like jump around all these different spots oh within goodness. the arenas. So you could see everything and see and like th- it's just amazing. The over like the music is so awesome. Like it just sure. takes it way over the top and it's all these different. You could hear the Yodler coming in. Like it's all these people all over the place. In ways you would think it would just be like a giant mess with this many people playing it. I like I don't know who did this arrangement. This must have taken that somebody like. Two years to do the arrangement on this thing. But it's incredible and it just goes and it builds and it's dynamic and gigantic and enormous. Wow. And uh and I think the reason why, because I I really did waffle between this one and uh and the last one, Nirvada. Yeah. But I think what I thought with this was that it felt more like a Bowie cover. Like Nirvana cover is so simple and so like and takes on this basic songwriting, which Bowie wrote good songs, but he was always about this full package and this full big thing. I could not find anything of what Bowie thought about this because he was alive when this happened. Um, But it was just so incredible and so over the top and so forward thinking and so like this whole package Mm. that it felt very Bowie to me and it felt like very satisfying and very... And not, at 9 and a half minutes, I still listen to the song, you know, 10 times in the last week. So wow. that's how good I, I think it is. Wow. So that's my number one is Beck's Sound and Vision in an Dang. over-the-top incredible performance, which I honestly recommend. You know, I know you're not a big fan of Sound and Vision, but I also know you like Beck. Of course so I do. Of course I say I do. give it a chance. Give it, give it a shot if you get a, get a chance in the next couple. I will give it a chance. Uh, and I guess that answers the question, what do you do when you're Beck and you can do whatever you want? This is it. This is right it. Right here. Hey. Uh, I think that's a good use of resources. Uh, I feel like my number one is going to be a little anticlimactic. I only have like four people on this next performance rather than <laughs> not, not 158? Yeah, plus Beck, yeah. 157 well, I was, I plus Beck. Was, I was including him, Jake. It was, it's 187. Hey, throw him in there. Okay. It was his idea. It was his idea. Throw him in there. Um, all right, so my number one. Have, I don't know whose idea it was. It might have been his. My number one is uh by Jim James, the oh, wait, wait, wait. What? I didn't I didn't pew it over Oh oh sorry, go ahead. I gotta do like the biggest most mammoth pew it over. Orchestral so just pew. Be, like pee pewing and different I was trying to get get all the different timbers of the different instruments there, Jake. I I think I failed, but that's I, okay. I think you succeeded wildly. Oh thanks. Charlie. I got the I got the full sense of an entire 157 person orchestra with those <laughs> with those pews. I was gonna try to do 157 pews, but I thought I'd save the uh, the audience some time. Uh, so audience, you can't see, but Charlie is rotating in the middle of a giant concentric stage <laughs> right now. Yeah. Well he I pe- turned my entire badge around to a... <laughs> here we go. Well he pew pews well, to his heart's uh, content. I'll see you when I come around again. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, he's like a Wurlitzer organ, Matt. Charlie. I think there was one of those in there too. All right. Anyway, uh, so we're going to do an organ. No organ. How did they do it without an organ, Jake? Well, maybe they, no, they have, did. I don't remember. I that. don't know, Chaz. Maybe you should. <laughs> you should write a strongly worded letter to Beck and the orchestra. To Beck seven years ago. Yeah. Hey, Beck. What's up with that? Um, I feel like this is a little anticlimactic. My number one now, after that, after that full orchestral version. But it's still my favorite Bob Dylan cover ever. It is Jim James from the uh, band My Morning Jacket. He mm-hmm. with the wonderful falsetto voice and the band Colexico, who is kind of like a. I don't know how to describe them. They're kind of a folk, alt country, but they also bring but in this kind was of st- alt country, but and that. But they also have this kind of like south of the border flavor. They got some like horns mm. and stuff that they do. Anyway. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Jim James in Calexico doing Going to Acapulco, the Bob Dylan song. This is also on the I'm Not There soundtrack from 2007. Um, they get a chance to flex in the movie. They get to do an entire performance of this song in the movie. Um, Jim James is on stage in the kind of white face that Dylan popularized in his. Uh, oh, yeah. On the tour. Uh, rolling, the rolling Thunder. rolling Thunder Review, and uh, the rest of the band is back there. This takes place just for context in the movie um, during the time when they're kind of in this basement tapes uh, milieu. It's like a, it's like a t- an out of the way town in Oregon or somewhere where like all of the basement tapes uh, characters exist. So they're all running around um, doing stuff, and so they give this performance of going to Acapulco. And I've said this several times on this. On this podcast But this is like the ultimate Like I can't believe this is a Dylan song This is such a great song Because it was mm-hmm. a basement It was a basement tape song And the basement tape version is not Like It's not nearly as good as the cover version In my mind okay. It certainly made me go back and be Appreciate it more Appreciate Dylan's version more But it's very like soaring Like his vocals are perfect for it uh, It's It's just It's just awesome um, I, I I think you should listen to it Chas Go listen to it. Hey, maybe I will. Going. Maybe I will. Why don't will. you go to Acapulco and listen to "Going to Acapulco"? Maybe I maybe will. Maybe you will. Maybe you won't. So I guess I don't get to pew 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 now, do I? You can do it anyway if you want to. Go with your heart, Jake. Go All ahead. right. Um. So in the in the middle of this, the version of this song, Jim James does this kind of like soaring, like um, soaring part of the song vocally, and so I'll just do a pew, uh, in that. In the style of Jim James during the song. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> that was awesome. That was nice. awesome. That was right. that was A awesome. fitting ending, I hey, should say. All right. To another dynamic <laughs> top 10 list from your favorite podcast, Boy vs. Dylan. Absolutely. Hey. That was fun. It always is. It and was. And then, like, not horribly over time either. No. It was like a reasonable length, reasonable length podcast right there. I can't wait to shove this in my wife's face. She thought we would be at least two hours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, wrong. Doesn't she ever get tired of being wrong? You know, she's right most of the time. So <laughs> I don't think she gets so no, tired she's, of being wrong. not get tired of it. <laughs> Who would? Uh, we're bringing things back to uh, normal. You know, years. We're getting down to our last few. Yeah, guys. Years here. The journey. We have Twelve years left. Wow! Wow! We have two left from each decade. Okay. Uh, so we're bringing things back to 1968. Bring it all back home. Episode. Some might say. In which Dylan did stuff and Bowie didn't. I'm not sure that Dylan did. It was one of it was his first lost year, so we're doing nothing. Okay. In which nobody did anything. <laughs> yeah. And we're gonna talk about that for like an hour. <laughs> Probably more. <laughs> Let's be honest. Well, our episodes where they do nothing are sometimes longer than the ones we do <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so it's true. Uh, look forward to that ladies and gentlemen and in the meantime uh, you know, email us at BowieVSDillon at gmail.com Please and tell do. us how wrong we were about the best covers tell us which ones we missed and which ones uh, you think should be at the top yeah uh, hold back on the expletives but uh, you know <laughs> but you could be, uh, be they could be strongly worded just you know be, be kind be kind or you can And with it. that, we will uh we'll see you next time. Alright, see you in 1960. I'm Scarly. I like Bowie. I'm Jake, and I love Dylan. And this has been oh, a wow. special covers edition, of Bowie vs. Dylan. Oh Jake, what? We we're really smart. We've covered each other for this episode. We should have had done Dylan. We should've done. What we should have had was somebody else come and play. Oh, let's we'll do the whole thing over again. Alright, guys. Well, we'll see you in a minute with special cover version. <laughs> Bowie vs. Dylan. I'm Jake, and I think Bowie's just fine in the 70s. <laughs> I'm Charlie, and I own two Dylan Allen's. <laughs> Bye.